One of the things that, that makes Easter Sunday so incredibly special, if you don't know this, is that we are here to celebrate not just something like an event that just happened, you know, a long time ago. And wow, wasn't that great what happened back then? We're celebrating the fact that, you know, when Jesus died and then rose to life, he's still alive today. So we're not talking just about a figure from human history. We're talking about someone who is actually here and in a very, very real sense, present with us today. We heard this story read earlier, the account of how uh, the women went to the tomb on that Easter morning and they arrived there and the stone was rolled and they realized Jesus was no longer in the grave. He was alive. And just as they went and found him alive then, and Jesus, you know, showed himself in all kinds of ways to different people uh, through, over time, uh, just as they found him alive today, you and I have the opportunity to encounter him as the living Christ today. We're going to have a look at a story of uh, a guy named Charlie. You get to hear his story. But uh, one of the reasons we wanted to, to take a few minutes just to listen to his story is because this is a story about someone who, again, this isn't going to be a story of something that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a story of someone uh, right here that, that we know right in our community. Like so many people caught this room who encountered Jesus and how that kind of changed his life. Hey, I'm Charlie. I'm 23 years old and I'm an electrician. I first met Jesus about six years ago and I've loved every minute of it. Well, when I was at school, Ryan Clune was my chaplain and, you know, we became friends on Facebook after I graduated and he just was posting one day about an event full of young adults and the, the youth and I thought, why not check it out? Just went down there on a Friday night and it's been completely different my life since then. I think I was just like at a low point in my life, you know, I didn't really have much direction, I was out drinking and partying with friends week in, week out, and I just was, I felt a bit lost, I guess, you know, it was an empty, empty void, so I'd fill that with alcohol, and then it would get to Monday, and I would just, you know, be scratching my head with a hangover, and just being like, there's got to be more to life than this. To quench my throat, and if I Everything just changed, you know, like, I was just, I felt a sense of happiness, it was just something I've never experienced before. I'd been coming to church for you know, maybe just over a year, and then I heard about the Alpha Course. Great people there, like Alan. He, you know, he he really like told me I had like a purpose in my life. So I was like, I've just got to be a hundred percent in on this, you know. I've got to get baptized, you know. This is for me. After I um, got baptized, I really just you know knew that I had to connect myself further, and that was through connect groups. I mean, I've got to be surrounded by people that can lift me up not not in a nightclub on a Saturday night or a, you know hungover on a Sunday morning I just had to surround myself with the correct people
even walking with Jesus isn't always easy. I've you know, gone through times where life's been tough and I've sort of pushed Jesus to the side and said, I'm going to do this by myself, but you know, it doesn't work and I always just find myself back to Jesus and just saying, thank you for always loving me. Thank you for always being there. Thank you for never pushing me away like I push you away. When my heart stops beating. I think I just see someone that's just full of love and full of, you know, vault like excitement for what's going on in my life. You know, beforehand I just, I didn't really have anything to look forward to, but now I'm excited for the things that Jesus is doing. You know, you know, whatever comes my way, I know that with with Jesus I can do these things. Like nothing's impossible because I have Him right beside me, and I have people in the church that love me and will pray for me and. You know, Jesus doesn't let me down, so I'm just so blessed and so lucky to have Jesus in my life. Just an awesome story, an awesome story of a regular guy who met Jesus, and it changed radically the whole direction. What we're going to do this morning is look at Another conversation that Jesus had, you, you heard this is Charlie's story. He met Jesus at, at this kind of youth event, a, a CD launch party, and he happened to meet Jesus there, and it changed the course of his life. We're going to look at a story that comes uh, from the scriptures, from the New Testament, where Jesus meets a woman and encounters her, and it has a conversation with her that ends up changing the course and direction of her life as well. And what I want you to listen for today, what I know is true is because Jesus is still alive today, this is in so many ways the same conversation that he longs to have with you and with me. And so we're going to listen to a conversation between Jesus speaking uh, to this woman. But I want you to listen to, with two ears. One, what Jesus was saying with, to her, but I want you to listen also with kind of the inner ears of your heart and your life of what Jesus might say to you. Because he's here, and I promise you this, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your journey of faith or not faith has looked like, Jesus longs to have a conversation with you. And he, he wants to speak some things into your life. So this is a, one of my favorite conversations that we're going to be looking at today is going to be about this story of Jesus and, and, uh, and this woman at a well. And, uh, and it's a famous story, and so I, I hope that you're, you're able to really kind of step into that. Whenever I, I think of this story, I'm always reminded of uh, my first car that I ever bought with my own money. I bought it just before university, a 1966 Pontiac Grand Prix. It was a beast of a car. I mean, you see, you know, this car was so big. The first time I saw it, I fell in love. And it was so big, only for, I think, one, maybe two years, they actually built these cars on what was called a wide track. It was, like, substantially wider than any other car on the road. And I loved this car. I bought it just before university. I drove it everywhere. I had a lot of uh, wonderful and memorable moments in this car. I was thinking of, about it today because I thought, you know, what my car really needs is a resurrection. But um, it, it's seen better days. But one of, it, it still kind of sits dormant. Uh, in something of a tomb in Akron, Ohio. But one of my uh, kind of memorable moments with this car, I was driving to work. I was in university, and I was working as a, a waiter in a Chinese restaurant. And uh, you're like, really? Yeah, I was. And I was working as a waiter, and it was in between classes. One day I was driving there for the lunch shift, and I'm driving to work, and 
as I'm going along, I suddenly hear this boom. And I'm driving and, and, and I'm like, whoa, what was that? But I'm like, well, I'm kind of late to work. I should probably keep going. I drive a little bit. I'm like, you know, I better stop and I better see what's going on here. So I pull my car over. I, I, I think I kind of left it running. I hopped out. I look and there's a really large object sitting in the road. As I get closer to it, begin to look at it and begin to smell it, I realize this is the petrol tank off my car. It has fallen. The bottom is now, you know, kind of so rusty on the car, it can no longer hold it. And so now I'm looking at this petrol tank. My car is still running. I'm thinking, this car is even better than I imagined. I grab the petrol tank. I'm in my nice white shirt and black pants. Grab the petrol tank. I stick it in the boot of my car, and I'm like, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> so I start driving. And it was amazing, because that day I learned something. I learned that you can actually drive a car that has no petrol tank. It's an amazing thing. But the other thing I learned that day is that you can't drive a car very far <laughs> that has no petrol tank attached to it. So it was sitting in the boot and I didn't get very far and the car then sputtered and, and stalled out and I then walked the rest of the way to the Chinese restaurant and thought, we'll deal with that later. Here's the thing, here's the thing, this conversation that we're gonna hear today between Jesus and this woman, it's all about this one idea. If you don't have a source of fuel in your life, you can't keep going very far. That we as humans, in some ways, are, are designed, just as a, a, a 66 Pontiac is designed to run off the fuel of, of petrol, we as human beings have been designed to run off particular fuel. There is something that will give life. There are things that will bring life to us. And what each one of us needs is to be connected to this true source of life. It's why the resurrection is so important. It, it has to do with where life comes from. And this conversation, we're going to look at John chapter 4, is all about where do you find a source of fuel in your life? Because I promise you, you can go a little bit of distance without fuel, but you can't go very far. Not near as far as you would desire. John chapter 4, here's the conversation. Let's tune into this. John chapter 4, we hear this great story between Jesus and this woman. It says in John 4, verse 4, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria... They've been traveling, him and his disciples. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This was like a historic place. This was a well-known place. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. This is our first clue that this story is going to be all about where do you find life? See, in a very physical sense, the source of fuel that we run on is clearly not petrol. In a physical sense, it is water. We can go a long time even, really, without food, surprisingly long times, but we cannot go very far without water. This story, when it tells us this is a story that takes place at a well, it's really telling us this is a story about where do you find life. Most of us, because water is so accessible, we can get it from different taps, we can buy it in the shops. We don't think a lot about how vital water is to us. But in Jesus' day, in the first century, everyone felt the reality that without water, you do not have life. And so a well, the place to get water, was at the center of a community. And it was the place to go to find 
life. And so Jesus sits down by the well. He's thirsty, it tells us. Tired, he's hot, he's thirsty. He sits down by the well. It's about noon. Verse 7 says that when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So he's kind of by himself. This woman comes along to draw water, to get water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. See, a quick kind of background of this story. The Samaritans lived in the north. The Jewish people lived in the south of Israel at that day. Uh, without going into all the history, what you just have to realize is that uh, these two groups of people did not get along. It was like being, you know, north of the river and south of the river, only multiply that out a few times. You know, the Jews, they, they saw the Samaritans, they're in the north, they're, you know, they tend to be kind of West Coast fans, and, the, you know, the people in the south tended to be Frio fans, and, and this woman's like, we do not uh, tend to associate with one another. Some of you are like elbowing going, does that mean Jesus was a Dockers fan? Is that, did he say that? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but that's the kind of picture. She's going, wait, we don't usually talk. And when Jesus asks her for a drink, what you have to understand, this is, about more than water, to invite someone to give you a drink, to have a, a drink of water with someone, was not just, again, a physical act. It was actually a sign of friendship. And for Jesus to cross that barrier and say to this woman who we don't normally talk to, say to her, would you give me a drink? He's actually inviting her into friendship. And she says, this is not how this usually works. So she says, how can you, how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. You didn't bring a bucket. You've got nothing to get water. How are you going to give me water? She says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, this is, you know, she is now intrigued deeply in this conversation. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now Jesus says he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. We're going to pause here. What you have to realize about this conversation is that this is a conversation about thirst, being thirsty. It's a conversation about thirst that's not really about thirst. It's a conversation that starts with the the idea of physical thirst and the human need for water for life, that's where it starts. 
That's what the woman thinks this conversation is all about. But Jesus says, no, this is a conversation about the thirsts of your soul. This is a conversation about a deeper thirst. You need water to physically stay alive, but Jesus is gonna say, I wanna talk to you not just about how you stay alive, but where you find life. There's a difference between just being alive and knowing life, really living. And so Jesus is going to begin to speak to her about the places and spaces where she is going for life at the moment. He's going to talk to her about some of the big issues of her life and where she has gone for fuel and where she has gone to find life. He says to her, why don't you go call your husband and come back? You see, relationships in this woman were at something of the center of her life. She was, it's very careful to tell us she's at the well at about noon. This was not the time that the women normally went to draw the water. She's chosen to go at a time where she will not have to encounter and be in connection and relationship to the other women from her community. She's been isolated, and it appears that this, the reason for this, what seems to be at the core, one of the, the kind of key areas of her life has to do with her relationships with men, that there have been five and that, that the man she's now with is not her husband. And this reality has, for some reason, cut her off from her community. And we don't know tons about her background, and we're not here even to speculate on it. But what we can see from this conversation is that, you know what conversation Jesus wants to have with you? And the conversation he wants to have with me is he wants to talk to us about the real things of our life. He wants to talk to us about the, the deep and big questions of our soul and what are we turning to for life. Some people, to find life, turn to relationships. And in relationships, they try to find identity and affirmation and, and a sense of well-being. But the problem with turning to relationships for life is they run out of fuel, you run out of fuel pretty quick because you weren't meant to make that the central place you turn to in life. Some people turn to work, some people turn to, you know, in our day, it's easy to get caught up chasing, you know, material uh, things in this world. Those things, they will all run dry at some point and you will get thirsty again. You heard Charlie's story. Charlie talks about how, you know, every weekend, same story. I go, I drink, I party, but by Monday, I was thirsty again. Jesus wants to have a conversation with you and with me, not about something superficial, but about the big questions of your life, about the big questions of your heart, about the places that you and I turn to, to try to find life. You know what's amazing about this conversation is Jesus is well acquainted with the details of this woman's life. He knows her story. He knows everything she's ever done. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. He knows what her history, her past, he knows everything about her. And he wants to talk to her about her life, not to guilt her, not to shame her. She's experienced enough of both of those things. But he wants to help her get in touch with where real life is to be found. Jesus wants to have a conversation with you and with me about where are the places you turn to for life. And not to guilt us, not to shame us, but to offer us water 
living water, water we can drink where we'll never get thirsty again, a source of life that won't run dry. This conversation goes on. And, and uh, watch what happens. I mean, Jesus is going to start to talk to her about these things. He's thinking, hey, who wouldn't want to have that kind of conversation? You know, who wouldn't want to start to have a, a conversation about the, the big things of life? But watch how the conversation goes. It says in verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. It's not every day you meet someone and they can tell you, uh, about the history of your life. I, I can see you're a prophet. And then she says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Like I said, these were two groups of people, the north and the south. They had differing religious views in some ways, though they were tied to the same family tree. She says, look, I, I see you're a prophet. I see there's something going on here, but you know what? You guys worship there. We worship here. Verse 21, Jesus says this. He says, woman, believe me. And now note this as well. When woman in their day and their culture, there is absolutely no condescending tone of voice here. You know, the way we use woman sometimes, it's like when we're like, you know, it's, it's not good. You know, it's woman, you know. It's, I mean, I would never do that, but I've heard people on TV say it. And you might have too. And so when Jesus says it, it's actually quite an endearing term. He's speaking to her in, a, in this kind of lovely, gentle way. Woman, believe me, he says, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was a, a Jew himself and had come through this line. This was all pointing towards him. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. These are the kinds of people God's looking for. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman says, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared these incredible words, I who speak to you, I am he. Now here's the thing that's so fascinating to me about this conversation with Jesus is Jesus starts to, as we said, talk about these big questions. Where are you going to, to fulfill the thirst of your soul? What are, where are you turning to for life? This is what he wants to talk about. And she immediately kind of turns. I see your prophet. I see there's something to talk about here. But she immediately turns this conversation and makes it essentially about religion. She wants to, she, she says, look, okay, I see something's going on. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about my life, my, you know, those things. Let's just talk about uh, where we're supposed to worship and what we're supposed to do. Do you know, sometimes Jesus wants to have conversations with us about big questions, big questions. But so often we would prefer to just kind of make small talk. We'd rather talk about things that don't cut quite so close to the bone, things that aren't quite so at the core of who we are. I mean, how, do you know one of the easiest ways to avoid a real conversation with Jesus about your life and about where you're turning for water 
where you're turning for life is to just have conversation about religion. Religion and what she's speaking about is all about what should we do and where should we do it? You guys worship there, we worship here. These are the things that we do. Jesus says, God is not interested in these questions of what should we do and where should we do it and, and, and the way she was imagining that. God is, is, is going to turn this question where it's no longer going to be about what and where, but that the real question is about who. The big question of life is not about what do you do and where do you do it, it's about who. Who is Jesus? Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am the one you've been looking for. He's going to say real connection with God is not going to be any longer about what do you do and where do you do it. It's going to be about how do you connect with me. He says, you know what God's looking for? People who worship. To be people who worship him, who connect to him, who come to him in spirit and in truth. God doesn't want to just connect with you in your actions, the what you do and where you do it. He wants to connect with you in the deepest part of who you are, in your spirit. Those are the kind of worshipers God is looking for, Jesus. And he says, then you know what? It's about spirit and it's about truth. All truth is not created equal. All, you know, the, Jesus kind of speaks here this idea, well, I mean, so what's Jesus saying? So it doesn't matter kind of who we worship God. If I think God's like this and you think God's like that, does that, as long as we connect in our spirit and feel good inside? No, no, no. Jesus says it's about spirit and it's about truth. He says, and I, I am he. I am the savior you've been looking for. I am, what he's really saying is I am the one and the only source of life. You can do the religious thing. You can do the be a good person thing. You can do the you worship here and go there and do these things. But it will never bring you life from within. Jesus says, I'm talking about life that wells up on the inside. In John chapter 70, he puts it this way. It's something Jesus often talked about, this idea of finding life in him. And he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus was, was at this big festival taking place. He stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, me, who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, streams, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus takes religion and turns it completely on its head. That's what he was doing for this woman. He was saying religion has always been about what you do and where do you do. He says, no, it's all about believe in me. And it's not life found in actions. It's about life that starts to bubble up from within you. Not turning to the outer actions of your life, but life that starts on the inside and works its way out. I think about this picture of streams of living water running from within. And, and I think, you know, one of my favorite places, uh, you know, to go to swim often is, you know, Lakeside Joondalup and uh, not the, that's the shopping center. I don't, I don't swim at the shopping center, but uh, Arena Joondalup, you know, where the pool is. And there's that lazy river in there, you know, that current that you just get to kind of go and float in and you just get carried along by that current, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, am I moving or is the current taking me? Sometimes it's 
almost hard to tell. When Jesus talks about these streams of living water, he says it's a radically different thing to go through life trying to do all the right things in your own strength and do this and go there and do that. And Jesus says, no, instead I give you like this river and it just kind of will carry you along. And it'll be life-giving. It'll be life-giving. It'll flow from within. He says, I'm the only one who can give this to you. Now, Jesus, watch, watch how, what happens at this point, actually, is they, they, they must engage in conversation a bit beyond what we even hear. Because what happens is this, the disciples end up coming back. Jesus and the woman, they've had some conversation. The disciples come back, and it tells us the, the woman, when they return, the conversation ends, and this woman goes back to her town and starts to tell everybody about who she has met about this conversation she had with this Jesus and how he told her and spoke to her about everything she ever did. You know, this beautiful picture is that, you know, as I said before, when Jesus wants to talk to you about life, it's not to shame you, not to guilt you. The outcome for this woman was not to feel shamed and guilt. She'd have enough of that already. It actually ends up restoring her to being in relationship with others. She goes back and begins to tell people about what's happened. And so she goes back and she brings people with her. And, and we pick the story back up when she kind of brings them along. In verse 39, it says this. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She goes, she says, man, he talked about my life. Jesus knew my life and he spoke to me about it. And so when the Samaritans came, all the people from her town came to him. They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, as people had now their own conversations with him and listened to him, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. All that, you know what I love? Is that they come and they almost kind of get connected up now to this new source of life in Jesus. Do you notice what it says? It says, many of them became good people. Many of them started to do the right thing. Many of them started to go here and go there. No, 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 it says many of them became believers. This is the amazing thing, the resurrection of Jesus. Because he did not stay dead, he showed, validated, proved himself as the one unquenchable source of water. As the one unstoppable source of life. Even death itself could not stop him. And he invites us not to try to become good people. Not to try to become people who now always do the right thing, who always go to church or to hear or to... No, he says, all you've got to do is believe. And he says, many of them, they became believers. They beca they, all they, you know how they access that water? Jesus said, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. I will give you these streams of water. My life will now flow into you. And it will be, you know, it won't be like a petrol tank that runs out of fuel. It will be like this unending source of life that bubbles up from within and carries you through life and carries you beyond the grave even further. This is eternal life that Jesus speaks of.
streams of living water that flow from within. Do you know what makes me so excited to celebrate and to speak about what Jesus has done is because it's no longer about who we are and what we've done. The conversation he, he wants to have with us is to help us understand who he is and what he has done. And, it, and he wants to speak to us about our lives, not to guilt us, not to shame us, but to help us see that some of the places we're looking for life, there's no life to be found. It may seem for a while like there's life to be found there, but you will get thirsty at some point. The only place you can find this living water where you never thirst again is by believing in Jesus. It's by believing in who he is and what he's done. And he proved his credentials as the one true source of life when he rose from the grave and said, this is life that never ends. Can I tell you this morning, it's actually just that simple. That what he invites of each one of us is to turn from the places we normally look for life, whether that's in relationships, whether that's just kind of in our dreams and goals and the kind of life we want to build for ourselves, whether that's in religion and, and trying to do the right things and make sure I'm always just doing what I'm supposed to do. And he says, I want you to turn from all that and just believe in me. And when you do that, this life will be like water that flows from within. And this morning, I want to just give uh, each one of us in this room this one simple opportunity. What better day than Easter Sunday to say, you know what, I want to choose to believe. It seems so easy, sometimes too simple to be true. Like, surely isn't there more? Didn't he give them a checklist of things they needed to now go and do? No, it tells us they just believed. And you want to access the living water from within, you just believe. Now, outside my house, where we live now. It's in a new development. All the houses are kind of new. They're brand new suburbs. And every house in our development came with a rainwater tank. And these rainwater tanks, they're just, they came with the block. And, and this rainwater tank is intended, we, we, we look at this rainwater tank and we're like, you know what it's there to do for us? It's just to collect the rain that falls from the sky and to gather all that rain and to be this place we can go where we can constantly get a drink of fresh, clean Beautiful. I mean, there's just nothing like that pure, clean rainwater. And this tank is huge. It's got incredible capacity to hold all kinds of water. The only challenge is we've lived in our house for three years now, and it's not yet hooked up. In order for the, the rainwater tank to actually hold that beautiful, clean water, it actually has to be hooked up to, a, a, to the gutter. It's got to be connected there so that it can gather so that the rainwater will flow. Right now, the rainwater, you know, there's the tank and the rainwater's landing all over it. But it's not gathering any of it. The rain's there, but it's just not connected. Now, I could tell you all the reasons why I've never taken the time to just connect it, to just, you know, I've talked to people. I've heard my neighbors have done it. They told me what they did. You know, I know it's just going to take, you know, me to spend a little bit of time. I can tell you all the reasons I've never done it. I can tell you, you know what, actually I'm just too busy. I've got a busy life. That's why I can't connect it. But you know what, that's really another way of just saying, actually I just have too many other things I value more. So I never invest the time. I can tell you, well, it just feels like it's too hard. I just can't be bothered. You know, 
Much like the woman at the well, so many times we can actually have a conversation with Jesus and we can get all the way there and we can see there is something in this and he's speaking to me, but it's just this last piece. He says, you want the water, you just got to connect up. You want the water, you, you just got to get, the water's there. He wants it to run in and within. And he says, stop connecting yourself to religion and trying to do this and trying to do that. Stop trying to look for life and relationships and in your goals and your life plan and, and in your super anyway. Stop trying to look for life and all these things and just connect. And how do you connect? He says, one word, believe. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within. It's just that easy. And I want to give you a moment today, wherever you come from in your spiritual journey, maybe there is a sense, as I said, that there's a conversation happening here, but you know there's an inner conversation that's happening in your own life. And you can hear this kind of sense going, it's almost like Jesus is speaking to you just like he was to her, just like he did to Charlie. And it's like he just say to you, you know what? Just forget all those other places you're looking and just connect up to me. Just believe. Some of you may have had times in your life where you experienced this. You knew what it was to be connected to Jesus, but for whatever reason, you allowed some, some junk and some dirt and some busyness and some crowded outness to happen. They got all in the gutter, and now it's like nothing's hardly flowing in at all. And today's the day just to go, Lord, I believe again. I want to reconnect. I want to believe. And I want those streams of living water to flow through me. And they bubble up and they well up and become this spring within. It's never ending. I want you to just come with me in prayer for a moment. Just bow your heads right where you are. Close your eyes. This is a moment to realize, you know what? Jesus is, he's alive and he's here. And he wants to have a conversation with each one of us in this room. And no matter where we are, where we've been, he wants to say to each one of us, just believe. I already did it. I went to the cross. I rose again. Yours is simply to believe, to accept that I did this for you, to allow me to, allow, to, to bring this stream of living water within the deepest parts of who you are, from within. And in just a moment, I'll give you a real simple way. I want to just give you a moment to just sit with him, to just, to just listen to what he might whisper to you. And in this quiet moment, as you connect with Jesus, if today's a day, you want to just simply, I invite you in the quiet of your heart to just pray to him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe who you are. I believe in what you've done. I believe you are alive and you're here now and that you are the source of life. Just speak those things to him. Maybe just ask him. Maybe just invite him and say, Lord Jesus, would you allow that stream of living water to flow within the depths of who I am? May I be connected to that living water. May it be a current that begins to carry me through life. May it be a life-giving source within my heart and within my soul. I believe.